Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm Dean, your host might be Santa Ho 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 Windsor. And today is a special Christmas themed show for you. We have sermons from Georgia, New York, and Montana that are going to remind you why we celebrate Christmas. And first up is Pastor Chris Emmett from Mountain Lake Church in Forsyth, Georgia. His sermon is called, This Christmas is Not not what I was expecting. He wants to help us learn how to deal with the unexpected things that happen around Christmas. And next, we go to Rochester, New York, to Northridge Ministry Director Graham Sproul, and his message is titled, There's No Place Like Rest for the Holidays. It will encourage you to find rest during the crazy holiday season and rest in God, which is super important. And lastly, we go to Kalispell, Montana with Pastor Levi Lusco at Fresh Life Church, and he's looking at the messiness of Christmas in a sermon called The end of Christmas. Trust me, it's not as ominous as it sounds. And he's focusing on the part of the birth of Jesus we often overlook. So stick around because you're definitely going to want to hear that. And I'll be joined in studio by Reverend Dr. Kirk Johnson of Christ Church UCC in Summit, New Jersey. He's here to help me break down these awesome messages. But right now, we're going to get to Forsyth, Georgia and Pastor Chris Emmett. Let's go ahead and check him out. And what I want you to grasp from this simple little story is that God's direction for your life is taken one step at a time. God's direction for your life, God's direction for my life is taken one step at a time. And personally speaking, for me, it's usually taken at baby steps at a time. What I want you to notice is that all Joseph was told to do in this moment at this crossroads was two things. Marry her, name the child. Marry her, name the child. The whole plan wasn't laid out. The angel of the Lord didn't go, hey, listen, marry her, name the child. And oh, by the way, there's going to be a census to be taken. You're going to have to go to Bethlehem, but you're going to forget to book the hotel room. But don't worry, there's an Airbnb and a barn. It'll be a long deal. You're going to go to this Airbnb and you're going to have a child. And then there's going to be some shepherds that are going to come. You know, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. And then they're going to leave. And a couple years later, these wise men are going to come. They're going to bring amazing gifts, by the way. You'll appreciate that. And then they're going to leave. They're going to tick off King Herod. He's going to be mad. Your boy's going to be threatened. You're going to have to flee to Egypt. You're going to stay there. You're going to come back and go to Nazareth. Then, oh, by the way, Jesus is going to grow up and be 12 years old. You're going to leave him at the temple. It's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. And Joseph was like, what in the world? He goes, no, 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 no. It's two things. Marry her and name him. That's the next step, Joseph. That's just all I need you to do at this moment. And I think for many of us, when we find this crossroads and we're trying to figure out what to do, we want God to act like Google Maps. We want the indirection, in destination input it, and we want to be able to zoom out and see our whole path. We want to see how it's going to take us in the detours and left here and right here and speed up here and detour. We want to see the whole thing. And God's plan for you and God's plan for me, his direction for our life, is taking just one step at a time. Joseph, I need you to marry her and to name the child. That's it. And Joseph got up and he did exactly that. And you find yourself at that Christmas crossroads going, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I'm unemployed. I've got major medical bills or expenses. They filed for divorce. There's family drama. The Christmas bonus is awful. I've got to travel. They're not coming to see us. If you find yourself going, I expected this and I'm experiencing this, I don't know what to do. Understand that God's direction for your life and for this Christmas season is experienced by you and by me one step at a time. And I want to go back and point out just a couple of areas in Joseph's life as he's figuring out God's direction for his life. 
I want you to go back and look at verse 20. Verse 20, in the first four words of verse 20, says, as he considered this. I did, would love for you to write down as this is, think before you react. Think before you react. As he considered this, as he pondered this, as he thought about this. So there's a crossroads in his life. I expected to, to be engaged to marry. Things will go well. She turns up pregnant. I don't know what to do. And he's a good, righteous, just man. And he goes, the best thing to do is just to end this quietly. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to ruin her reputation. But So the best thing that I know in my mind is just to end this quietly. And you know this inherently, but good intentions don't always mean the best decision. Good intentions, and you go, man, I, I have good intentions, aren't always the best decision. And Joseph, before he, man, made that decision, before he ended it, he thought about it. He considered it. He pondered it. He molded over in his mind. And it's so easy to hit that crossroads and allow emotions to flare up and to make that decision, to send that email, to send that text message, to have that conversation, to say that word, because it feels good, it feels right, this is the right thing, but it's amazing how much thinking now can save regretting later. It's amazing how much just stopping to think now can save multiple regrets later. And so as you enter that crossroads, think of yourself more like wet cement versus dry cement. Wet cement has still got its shape and form, but it can still be moved and molded and shaped. Dry cement, once it's dry and set up, the only way it can be moved is if it's busted and broken out, because once it's set, it's set. Once the word is said, you can't put the word back in your mouth. Once you push send on that email, you can't get it back. Once you have that conversation, that conversation is had. Make sure the decision that you're about to make is the right one. Think about it before reacting. A couple of years ago, we poured this little patio thing on the, our back porch, and the concrete guys poured it and formed it up, and they left. And, and so we told our kids, hey, you can write your names, you know, in there, put the handprints or the date and that kind of stuff. We gave us a little section. Now, the problem is that we did not supervise their creative artistic design. So we just let them do their thing, and then, and then they go to bed. We don't even think about it. We wake up the next morning, we go out there, and the whole thing is graffitied over with their names. We're like, what did y'all do? They're like, well, we just wanted to do the whole thing. So it's like Daniel and David and handprints and like a star, and it's like random things. And it was there. There was no changing. The only way to, to, to fix it was to bust it out. Once you say the word, once you act on that decision, you're moving forward. Make sure you think about it, consider it, ponder going, is this the right decision? God, is this your will and direction for my life? Is this what you want me to say? Is this what you want me to do? Is this email crafted correctly? Is this text message the right text message to send? It may or may not be, but think, consider, ponder it before you react. And Joseph's there, and he begins to, to think about it and wonder and, and mull it over. And it's amazing at the little bit that he thought about it and changed it. God says, no, 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 here's what I want you to do. Thinking about things now will save a multitude of regrets later. 
All right, Pastor Chris Emmett kicking off our first Christmas episode. And joining me is Reverend Kirk. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. So now Pastor Chris is using the story of Joseph to kind of um, explain to us about how dangerous being reactive can be. And, you know, I always go by the idea of my first thought is probably my worst thought, right? So, so like in a reactive situation, if somebody just jumps the gun, you know, shoot first, same later, and, and they've damaged a relationship, what kind of advice would you give that person? Like, is there any coming back from that? Yeah, well, um, we live in an age of anxiety, very impulsive. And first, I always uh, remind people to take a breath. Okay. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect, me included. Okay. Um, and it's also good to acknowledge, okay, especially if you harm someone hmm. or offended someone in a particular way, to go back and apologize. Um, it reminds me of a story in the Hebrew Bible uh, when God himself repented for making humanity because we're so bad. And as a result of that, hmm. Uh, wiped away the entire planet um, in, our, in our story in regards to uh, through the means of water, mm. if you will. Um, so my advice is to relax, admit your faults, and of course the greatest uh, lesson is experience. I messed up for future experiences, let me calm down, let me think before I act, mm. and usually uh, that is the process that I assist individuals who say, you know what, Kirk, Doc, Rev, I messed up, and these are uh, the particular issues that were brought about and the consequences that were brought about me thinking too fast and impulsively. All right, you know what, that's a great comparison. And uh, with that comparison, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Reverend Kirk and Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Chris Emmett, but right now I want to get to Minister Graham in Northridge. Let's go ahead and check him out. And so the question that I want to raise and, and seek to answer uh, today is, is how do we find rest and, and really stay sane amidst the, the craziness of the holiday season? And to help us in our journey, we're going to shoot over to the book of Psalms and in your Bibles, chapter 131. It's page 502 if you're using a Northridge Bible or if you'd like to. And if you're new to church, you might be thinking, what in the world is a psalm? That's a great question. So a psalm was basically a uh, prayer or a song that people who followed God um, and follow God would sing either privately or as a group. And there's different types of psalms. You had psalms that might be uh, psalms of uh, joy and sadness, uh, depending on what was going on in the person who was praying it at that time. You have uh, psalms of thanksgiving, where people would think back on the things that God ha had done. Um, and, and you had different sections in the book of Psalms. It's broken up in different sections. And Psalm 131, which is going to be the psalm that we're planted in uh, today, is located in the section of the Psalms called the Psalms of Ascents. And you'll see it up on the screen as a slide. It, it may sound a little strange, but uh, basically you could call the Psalms of Ascents uh, holiday music on the move. Uh, they were the original OG holiday music for uh, Jewish travelers who would literally be going home for the holidays. 
There were some pretty major festivals for the Jewish people. Um, You you had the the Passover, you had uh, Pentecost, you had the Feast of Tabernacles. And because these were such major holidays, it required all able-bodied Jewish men to travel up to Jerusalem to to go home and uh, bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving and to to worship with other people. And the Psalms of Ascents were, were the songs that travelers would sing on their way up to Jerusalem. And the reason that that when I say up to Jerusalem, if you look at uh, the Bible, oftentimes you will find that when people were traveling to Jerusalem, it'll specify they were traveling up to Jerusalem. And that's simply because people literally had to ascend uh, mountainous regions to get to uh, Jerusalem because the the terrain was so mountainous. And so Psalm 131 is a psalm of ascent. It is a song that uh, the Jewish people would, would pray and sing as they were coming home for those major holidays. And it's a song of confidence that would deepen the trust of the person worshiping in the, in the God of the universe. And Psalm 131 was written by a guy named David, who, who was a king. If you've ever heard of David and Goliath, that's the David that we're talking about. Uh, but to start out in, in verse one, here's what David writes in this prayer. It says, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Another translation says, my eyes are not lifted up. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Right off the bat, we've got to recognize that this isn't shepherd boy, teenage David speaking. This is King David. And King David had a lot of power had a lot of influence. I mean, he could snap his fingers and stuff could go down, whether for good or for bad. I mean, he could snap his fingers and have a whole army, Israelite army, go fight a battle for him while he stayed back in the palace. And for bad, he could snap his fingers and have one of the men who went to go fight for him have his wife come over to his house and uh, get in a really bad situation. That's another sermon for another time. But uh, David was a powerful guy. A king in this time, in nations surrounding the nation of Israel, uh, the people would often see their king associated with the God that they served. And so you can only imagine that David would be influenced by those uh, surrounding nations and how they viewed their own kings as gods, that there would be this little nagging voice, I'm sure, in his head that would say, hey, you're, you're pretty powerful. You've got a lot of influence. You're kind of like a god. And there'd be this temptation, this struggle to completely lose sight of of the God that that he was serving. But right off of the bat, um, David is, we're recognizing something different about David in this passage that we read. We find a recognition of of David that's going to pave the way for a restful soul. And the first thing that David recognizes in pursuing a restful and a quiet soul is amidst the power and and the influence and the chaos that might have been going on in Israel at that time, we see that rest acknowledges who's in control. All right. Uh, Rest acknowledges who's in control. I I really hope Pastor expands on that because I'm, I'm super interested. But just off of hearing that, can you kind of give me some insight into what he means by that? Absolutely. Well, rest... Um, is a symbolism, or one aspect is faith. You know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. A lot of times we do not rest and gain anxiety mm. because we do not know what the next step is or we are fearful that the next step will be even worse or the consequences will be worse. But having true rest is acknowledging that even if anything's out of my control or everything is out of my control, that God is still the center of it. 
Right. Oh, see now that makes perfect sense to me. So now, so basically it, it's one of these let go and let God things. Absolutely, absolutely. It kind of reminds me of uh, the three Hebrew boys, right? They were literally in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, yes. and Abednego, yes. literally burning. Um, and they were about to be consumed by the fire, right? And the fourth person was, of course, the divine that helped them in the fire. Yes, and I love that you just used that story because we featured uh, Pastor Jordan Poole. Shout out to Pastor Poole. Just did a sermon on that exact story. Um, that being said, we're going to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Levi Lusco in Kalispell, Montana. Let's go ahead and check him out. So the point is, when Jesus came and all this stuff was fulfilled methodically and meticulously, we know that God is doing exactly what he said he would do. But back to my first kind of point, Christmas is complicated. Oh, yeah. And while all this is happening, while God's fulfilling every divine prophecy from the Old Testament in the New, there was also somebody who was actively antagonistic and wanted to stop Christmas, wanted to put an end to Christmas. The entire the end of Christmas, that was what was on his mind. And he was the most powerful person in that country at this time. And so it's hard enough to, 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 to do something that's this complicated if there weren't someone who was trying to stop it the whole time. Now, you may or may not have ever re read this before because the part of the, the Christmas story that I'm going to read to you, most pastors never read it out loud in, in, in front of a group of people. But it's right after the wise men left, OK? It's Matthew 2, verse 13. Now, when they had departed, that's the wise men. So they just left, rumpa pum pum, right? Them and their drum. They just, they just bounced out. Gold, frankincense, silver, great. And now they're out the door. Now they departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and I want you to stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled i.e., what was prophetically spoken by the Lord through the prophet, which prophet? The prophet Hosea. So this is a little piece of Hosea we're about to get. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So that's the international destination on his birth certificate. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, because he had told the wise men, when you find him, tell me where he lives so I can worship him. I mean, murder him. That's what he wanted to do. Okay? And he was mad that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in it, all its dis districts, and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, another prophecy, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I, I can hear some of you saying to yourself right now, no, that, that, I understand why pastors don't normally read that at Christmas Eve. Um, this is like a deleted scene from like Game of Thrones or something. It's like this lunatic king sending his soldiers through the countryside, trying to kill all these baby boys, lest they ever potentially 
be the one that was prophesied to be born, who would grow up and, and take the iron throne from his hands. I want to explain what God was doing in all this, because believe it or not, in all this, God has a plan. And that'll be our second point. Just two-point message. I, I'm doing that for you. Normally, I'll preach like five points, four point sermons. But I know, I know, I have a job. I have a job. My first job is to be encouraging, and I've already failed at that. And that's why I got moose on my sweater, to just kind of have like this uplifting kind of like, you know, thing. Um, and my other job is to be quick, right? Because you got stuff to do. You got presents to wrap. You got, you got, it's your, you'll shoot your eye out to watch. Like you got a whole day plan. I'm just one tiny piece and component of it. So I need to just give you your, your little, you know, three points in a poem and get you on your way. So I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make up for the fact that I'm not being really encouraging with this, all the babies died in Rama message and uh, try my hardest to be quick. So God's plan is going to be the second point. But first, let's start with Herod's plan. Herod's plan, that's the first point, which was, well, it was very simple, wasn't it? The death of Jesus. All right, Pastor Levi has given us Jesus unfiltered today. And, uh, you know, he, he starts off the story uh, of Christ's birth. It's pretty gruesome, you know, from, from the jump. So, you know, the Bible being the Bible and, and every book has a lesson for us. What is, what's the takeaway for us personally, you know, from person to person through the story of birth of Christ? Yeah, for me, I think it's salvation out of chaos, right? Okay. Um, Pastor Levi was like, this is not an encouraging story. And he apologized, but really it isn't. Jesus, yeah. or baby Jesus, was a refugee fleeing from terror. Mm. King Herod was trying to hunt him down. And it reminds me of the song, Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. That's completely historically inaccurate, right? <laughs> um, they were rushing to Egypt because Herod was trying or had a hit out on baby Jesus. Mm. So for me, I think... The crux of the story is, out of chaos, out of all of this craziness going on, baby Jesus still came into this world to create order, to create salvation. And that, I think, is immensely profound with this particular story. Mm, I love it. And I mean, giving us a new, uh, some new insight to the story of Jesus and Christmas. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Levi Lusko, but right now I want to throw it back to Pastor Chris Emmett. And so here's a prayer I'd love for you to pray this Christmas season. Next time you find yourself at that crossroads, expected this, I'm experiencing this, thought I'd be married, now we're going through divorce, I thought I had money, now I've got bills, thought I'd have a job, now I'm unemployed. When you're at that Christmas crossroads, just simply pray this prayer, God, What's my next step of obedience at this Christmas crossroads? Don't need an old plan. Lord, I just need to know my next step. And Lord, whatever that next step is, I will step in that obedience completely, 100%. But God, show me my next step. The conversation I need to have, the text message I need to send, the job I need to interview for, that next step of obedience, Lord, I will walk completely following you. I'm going to finish with some lyrics, and we're going to sing this song here in just a second. And it's a famous Christmas song. It's called Oh Holy Night. And I was reading the lyrics of it this week, and you know them. The lyrics say this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. 
fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. And that phrase, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, now you're all way smarter than me. I had to Google, what does yonder mean? Maybe you know. I did not know. Yonder is an adverb, and it means at some distance in the direction indicated. So if you replace that, and it goes, for at some distance in the direction indicated breaks a new and glorious morn. If you think about that through the perspective of Joseph, at some distance in the direction indicated breaks a new and glorious morn, the night when Christ was born. If you think about it through the perspective of Joseph and you fast forward there to that very first Christmas day when Jesus was born and Joseph is there and he's holding Jesus and Mary is there and they're looking at Jesus, you got to know he he flashed back to that night when the angel appeared to him. Marry her and name him. Now all of a sudden, it's clear. Now he's looking at his wife. Now he's looking at the Messiah named Jesus. Not where he thought he'd wind up. Certainly not the direction he intended his life to go, but it's the direction God had for him. And it turned out far better, far more special than anything Joseph could have thought of. All because he simply thought about before he made that decision and then stepped in complete obedience. And he finds himself there Now he understands that direction in the future with the glorious more. Now he gets it. Block out all the manger and the smells in the barn. He's looking at it. There's his wife that he was told to marry. And there's Jesus who he named. Complete obedience. I don't know what crossroads you're at, but I want you to get through this Christmas season. I want you to get to December 26th, January 1st, June 1st, years down the road, and that Christmas crossroads, that you're right, going, this is not what I thought would happen. This is not what I expected. This is not what I intended. I want you to step in complete obedience and wind up on the other side in a part of that picture going, oh, I see it now. I'm so glad I didn't react out of the emotions. I'm so glad I did not send that email. I'm so glad I did not have that conversation. I'm so glad I waited and listened to the Lord. And I'm so glad I stepped in complete obedience to him. Because the story I'm a part of, the picture that I'm a part of, is far more special than anything that I didn't know. This is not the way I thought it would go. This is not how I thought it would turn out. But it's the best way for my life. It's because God lined it and I followed his direction step by step. God's direction for your life, God's direction for my life, is followed step by step. The question is, will you walk in it? Let me pray for us. All right, Pastor Chris Emmett. I had no idea Joseph kind of had like cold feet, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But then he got to raise Jesus, like mind blown. That's a, that's a crazy situation. Absolutely. So how do we, you know, just as normal people kind of have that blind faith in God? Like, how do we better practice that? Right. Um, well, you know, the scripture tells us that the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by God. Um, and the concept of blind faith, it might be blind to us, but God knows where we're going, mm. I believe. Um, and in regards to Joseph's particular situation, 
uh, God guiding him through dreams. Mm. Right? Okay. And I think that's really impeccable on the power of the Holy Spirit, you know teaches us all things and brings all things to remembrance, as the scripture says. So the Holy Spirit is in us to guide us, okay. right? We may not see where we're going, but as long as we remain obedient and continue to walk in the particular path that God wants us to be, as my uh, father used to say, you'll be all right, you'll be okay, <laughs> right? Um, and, that's the most, and that's very difficult because we want to have that Google Maps, yeah. as you're saying that every step one, I want to do this, step two, I want to do this, step three, God told me to do this. But sometimes that's where that faith is built, on okay. walking in obedience but not knowing where you're going. Yes, makes perfect sense. Parental advice, although we don't always listen, usually the best advice. And now we're going to go ahead and throw it back to Minister Graham. Hebrews chapter four, he would go on to say this. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Guys, this holiday season, amidst the chaos and the lists and the highs and the lows and all the things that go into the holidays, let us be reminded that the work is finished. We just have this opportunity to believe that God did what he said he was going to do. Namely, send Jesus to die for you and I so that we might be able to be a part of that rest. So now we get to serve God, not out of a place of work, but out of a place of rest. I'm not doing this to earn God's favor. I get to do this because, because I have earned God's favor, right? Now we get to enjoy the holidays not because we got to work and strive, but because Christ has accomplished it all. We get to uh, quiet our souls in such a way as though we were falling asleep in our mother's arms after we've just been fed, not because of our work, but because of Jesus's work. So take a breath. God's got you. Here's the problem though. Oftentimes taking a breath for you and I means binging another season on Netflix or taking a nap or uh, you know, doing this or, or doing that, but you can take a nap and still find your soul all out of whack and find your life all messed up. King David, who we talked about earlier, King David at a point in his life took a nap. He took a break. He stayed back in the palace while his armies went to go fight and he ended up committing adultery and committing murder. So just taking a nap isn't gonna solve our problems. It's, it's not just talking about uh, doing less. Don't just do less, believe more. If uh, rest requires acknowledging who's in control, then let us relinquish the control that we wanna grip upon our lives and believe that God is God and he's got it. Even when tensions might naturally arise uh, with, with one of your family members, even when uh, you feel like, man, I'm physically alone, I'm physically rested, but my soul is all out of whack. Even in those moments, we don't need a nap. We need belief, we need trust in God. Because don't get me wrong, naps are great, Netflix is awesome, let's watch Christmas movies, you do, do whatever your traditions are, but if you do those things devoid of the presence of God, it will just compound probably to the stress that you might already feel. If rest requires exhibiting humility, then practice humility and believe that God is doing something. Maybe Aunt Debbie didn't bring that side dish that you thought she was going to bring, and you are mad at Aunt Debbie. Hey, in that moment, say, Lord, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here? Help me to humble myself, God, so that I can lean into what you want to teach me. 
And one of the things that I love about the Bible is it's not just ivory tower stuff. It's not just up there where you got to seek it out and you don't really, how do we apply this? No, it is like in the trenches of your life, practical Christianity. Because right after this huge explanation of uh, Christ being our ultimate rest, the author of Hebrews would follow it up with this final thought. He says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Maybe you're in here and you're thinking, man, I, I, I want to have belief. I, I don't want to struggle with unbelief, which then leads me to looking upon these things and wanting to control them. I want to quiet my soul. I just don't know how. Let's go to the thing that actually has the ability to speak directly to your soul. The word of our God, the breathed out word. Application point, read the word, <laughs> simply put. All right, Minister Graham mentioning two things, kind of like my favorite things to do, which is uh, napping and Netflix. But he's saying <laughs> doing these things devoid of God is a problem. So like, what am I supposed to do before I take a nap? Am I supposed to pray before I watch a movie? Am I like, how do I do these things and make sure that I'm still like in accordance with God and, and God's rest? Absolutely. Um, well, the first thing to be in accordance with God, of course, as Pastor said, is, of course, to be immersed in the Word of God okay. uh, to make sure that um, everything that you're doing is in order and in his obedience of what God has for your life. Um, the second thing is sometimes we want to do something and we shouldn't do anything, right? Mm. Um, sometimes we need to sit back and allow God to work, um, which, of course, is a lot easier said than done. Um, Joseph, uh, the, the stepfather of Jesus, is a great example of that. Um, of course, you have uh, a girlfriend who is pregnant, but it's not your child. Mm. And of course, in the Jewish custom, it is you know really bad. You could actually get stoned to death. Yeah. Um, some scriptures in the Hebrew Bible. And on top of that, you're trying to run across the de Egyptian desert or to Egypt because uh, this stepchild of yours is actually um, about to try to be killed by King Herod, right? Yeah. All these different um, elements. Um, and he could have just quit and left, but he remained obedient um, um, and had a uniqueness of his rest in this particular uh, case of the, of the story of baby Jesus. All right. See, this makes perfect sense to me. Netflix, naps, good. Not being in touch with the Lord, bad. And we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome to Ambo TV, home of Next Generation Pastors. Before the break, we were checking out Minister Graham, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Levi Lusco. And here are the last words spoken of Herod the Great, the would-be king of the Jews. Verse 19, now when Herod was dead, now when Herod was dead, he said, I'm going to kill Jesus. God said, no, you're not. You're going to die. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. And where do they go? They go to Nazareth, Nazareth, the fourth city in connection to Jesus' birth certificate, where he would actually grow up, and he would be referred to for most of his life as Jesus of 
Nazareth, this one who was born in Bethlehem but lived for a time in Egypt and his birth connected to crying women in Ramah but would actually be raised in his city that would be his hometown for his first 30-some years of life would be the city of Nazareth. The point is, Herod thought that through, through death, he could stop Christmas. That's, that's what Herod thought. But here's what God knew, that through Christmas, he could stop death. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's the power of the Christmas story. That's what God was actually doing. What the devil was trying to do was to, to stop Christmas and use death as a tool. What God was doing was stopping death, and he would use Christmas to get it done. Now, how would he do it? How would Christmas work? That's the interesting part. And that, by the way, explains why uh, this, even though it seems like a gory backdrop for a Christmas sermon, is actually an appropriate frame of mind for us to enter into this holiday. Because tragically, we feel like it should be you know, just the season of comfort and joy and the happiest day of the year, and let's stir our hot cocos with our you know, candy canes and get back to the gumdrop forest, and it's a wonderful life, and, and all of that. But the reality is, you just saw it here. The actual first Christmas was, was marked by screaming mothers, grieving. And just like to this day, many of us today, we enter the Christmas season with grief in our hearts, brokenness in our world. And all the devastation and sadness and evil that we see, even though we try and, and, and have a good spirit about it and, and, and all that, there's, there's really so much pain. As, as, as the, the song put it, we just sang moments ago, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Death is the reason there ever was a Christmas. In the dark streets, shineth the everlasting light. And all the years and all the fears are met in thee tonight. So he came to solve the problem of death. And that's why it's fitting that even at his birth, there was so much death and bloodshed. Now, the question, of course, is how would he solve such a big problem as death? And that's where it gets interesting. Because we began with the plan of Herod, which was, if you need a reminder, the death of Jesus. But what was God's plan in all of this? Well, interestingly enough, it's one and the same. God's plan was the death of Jesus. Only it wouldn't be in Bethlehem as a baby. It would be in Jerusalem, as prophecy said would happen outside of the city, as a full-grown man hanging on a cross for the sins of the world. Not as a baby, as though he had no say in the matter, but as a 33-year-old man who could say, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. With humility, he voluntarily did exactly what Herod was unwilling to do. Jesus had the throne of all heaven, the throne of all glory. And Herod pathetically clung to his throne as long as he could, but death pried it from his fingers, as all of us will have no choice but to do one day. If our treasure's in this world, death takes us from our treasure. If our treasure's in heaven, death, death takes us to our treasure. And Jesus showed us what Herod was unwilling to do. He left the throne, left the glory, left the honor of heaven. In Philippians 2 says, look at what it says. It says he, he was willing to do so. 
In Philippians 2, we're told that he existed in the form of God, but gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. He didn't cling to that. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. Stop here. He became a human, leaving the glory of heaven, coming down to this world, voluntarily taking our place on the cross. You see, it should be me and you dying for our sins. It should be me and you, because all of us have, have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's why we will die physically. But the Bible says we're already dead on the inside spiritually, for true death is being disconnected from our Creator. And if we die physically, dead spiritually, we'll remain dead forever, eternally. And that's what the Bible describes as hell. But that's not what God wants for any one of us. That's why he sent Jesus to lay down his life so that he could take up his life again. But as he would return to his throne, there would be room for you and for me at his side. So here's our choice. Do we be Herod and cling to our power and our glory and our sin and ourselves and be the captain of our fate and the master of our soul? Or do we willingly humble ourselves before Jesus and find that in losing our lives, we gain it? For as you're willing to leave your throne, you will find there's room for you on his. As he invites you to rule and reign with him, to sit with him on his throne, to live with him in his house called heaven and to do so forever. That's the gospel. That's the hope. That's the shocking power of the Christmas story. You know, Christmas is not a compliment. It's not. Christmas is God saying, there's no way for you to save yourself so I'm going to allow my son to be murdered for you. He sent you a savior because you needed saving, because you can't save yourself, and neither can I. But no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been, if you humble yourself and come before him in need of his grace, he will save you. He'll make you new. He'll give you a brand new heart. Instead of the heart of stone, he'll give you that heart of flesh. All right, Pastor Lusko is giving us the Christmas Chris Mass story from a different perspective here. So right. I'm kind of feeling like maybe I've been doing Christmas wrong. Like, have we been doing Christmas a little wrong? Is there a different way we should be kind of celebrating and honoring this day? Absolutely. Um, actually, Christmas starts right after holiday, um, Halloween, okay. actually, um, in regards to consumerism, right? Everything, got to buy this, get this, mm. uh, you know, for 50% off. Yeah. And even now, uh, we used to think Black Friday started on Black Friday after Thanksgiving, literally after you eat your turkey. Yeah. People rush to the malls to go shopping, right? And just, you know, consume, consume, consume. Um, and I think... We really need to rethink about that in this particular season. Mm. Um, Jesus came not as a wealthy individual, but as we've uh, viewed um, in a very chaotic, humble um, circumstance. And I think that instead of actually consuming and adding on things, I think we actually should give away more, give more, um, and leave more of that, uh, the clutter, right, okay. that we try to consume, um, alleviate the clutter and actually uh, focus on Christ and the really unique situation that Jesus actually w was brought into the world. I think that's something that we really need to hound on. It's not about, you know, Santa and about <laughs> gifts and about all of the things that we, of course, enjoy so well. Yeah. Um, but that shouldn't be lost in the sight of Christ yeah. and that Christ came in these chaotic times so that we might have life 
and have it more abundantly. So I think that's the crux of, of what we should think about. Yeah, man, that makes perfect sense to me. Look, I, I was just telling my daughters the other day that um, Santa in our house, he, he's a cool character. It's kind of like Homer Simpson, but uh, <laughs> this is Jesus's day for sure. So it has uh, less to do with Santa, more to do with Jesus. And um, as Reverend said, try to shed a little more for the Christmas season instead of taking on more. And we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Because the devil knew it was fourth and goal with seconds remaining on the clock. The Savior was almost here. The Virgin had given birth. Here was the Messiah. He had come just like God said he was gonna. And the devil didn't want to get his head crushed, but his plan failed. And Jesus lived. Pastor Levi, let's go bringing the heat today. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guests to give us a little scripture that kind of ties in to the message in our last clip. Absolutely. I have my Bible app on my phone here. All right. And the prophet Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a season of consumerism, give. In a season of chaos, I pray that the Prince of Peace will give you peace that we focus on Christ, because truly Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. All right. I love it. Amen. Reverend Kirk, thank you so much for joining us here thank today. You. God you. bless you and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. All right. Awesome. And to our partnering churches, Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Chris Emmett, Northridge Church with Ministry Director Graham, and uh, Fresh Life Church with Pastor Levi. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. And to see those complete sermons and other sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We have great content there for you guys. Sign up for our daily newsletter. Listen to our podcast. Subscribe. Thank you guys for watching. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next year.